I can't remember why I skipped a day. I don't know. I was busy. I was tired. I had a headache. I had period pain. Who knows? But I skipped a day and then I skipped a second day and then it was kaput. Like You, the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Gab, I'm an audio producer and journalist. And I'm Sarah, I'm a GP and I work in women's health. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're on today and pay our respects to their elders past and present. So, have you heard about the two-day rule? It was very buzzy back in January when you were rather busy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, all of the usual news resolutions articles flooded our feeds, but it's actually not a terrible way to approach your health and fitness. We'll talk you through what it is and how it might help you to get a bit more physical activity into your life. But first, I said I'd go through some basic pelvic floor exercises on the last episode because, um, yeah, my pelvic floor is shot to shit after giving birth. How's yours? How's yours at the moment? Oh, she's 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 fine. She's fine. She hasn't she hasn't been doing any uh, any heavy lifting like uh, like yours has for the uh, previous nine months. So, <laughs> but you know what? Even before being pregnant, like I remember doing that um, interview with the amazing KB who goes down to the park every morning and does like a trampoline workout. And yeah, I, yeah. I jumped on, and whoo, man, I peed my pants, and I was like, wow, okay, like I'm I really don't have much pelvic floor function here. And then of course I got pregnant, and then wow, the whole thing's just a, a mess. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, as we've discussed before on this beautiful podcast, I, um, you know, I had to see the wonderful Sydney Pelvic Clinic mm. um, a, a little while back when I had some some issues down there. And, you know, my, my pelvic floor is like made of steel or something. Not in the good way. That is not a, that's, that's it, not also, a brag. It's, it's too tight. That's, yeah. That's not a humble brag. <laughs> it's just, you know, pelvic floors can be too weak. They can be too strong or too, you know, too hypertonic. Mm. Um, so, Pelvic floors. Ah, well, yeah. Before we get into some sort of generic exercises that you can start with, um, can you give us a bit of a, a quick explainer about what the pelvic floor is? Indeed. So, in women, the pelvic floor is a sling of muscles and ligaments that support the bladder, uterus, and bowel. The openings from these organs, so your urethra, your vagina, and your anus, pass through the pelvic floor. So they're really your your potential weak spots in your in your pelvic floor to begin with. Uh, the pelvic floor muscles attach to your pubic bone at the front and at the tailbone at the back and also around the base of your pelvis. Um, so, you know, when the pelvic floor is functioning normally, it supports these pelvic organs to prevent problems such as incontinence, so the involuntary loss of urine or feces, and also prolapse, which is a lack of support of the bladder, uterus and bowel. The pelvic floor muscles help you to control your bladder and bowel function, allowing you to hold on until you're in a more appropriate time or place to uh, to avoid your your number ones and number twos. Yeah, and with the the point you make about prolapse, obviously that's something that a lot of women who have given birth um, often come up against is um, yeah pelvic organ prolapse, feeling a kind of heaviness when when your organs actually start to descend uh, out of your vagina and, and you know basically whether they're going where they're not supposed to be. Absolutely, they're yeah. not held and, in and place. They are not held in place by that sling that should be this you know muscular, almost like a think of it as a uh, as a baseball mitt that's uh, you know slung from the from the front of the pelvis to the back of the pelvis to to provide support to those vital organs in in your pelvic in your 
in, in your pelvis. In your pelvis, yeah. It's funny you yeah. say baseball mitt. I was thinking of a hammock. Would a hammock work? Yeah, hammock's good. Hammock's ha- good. Hammock me, baby. And, and um, <laughs> you also mentioned incontinence there. And that is something that the pelvic floor physio who saw me the day after I gave birth, she painted a very stark picture for me um, with my, uh, I guess, um, rehab after childbirth that I would be someone who could possibly have um, fecal incontinence. Yeah. Based on and the injury that I that I suffered, if I don't do anything about my pelvic floor, which is why these conversations are so important. Mm. A because I think a lot of us don't realise that fecal incontinence is a thing. Yes, um, you know we just talk about incontinence, and I think most women just assume that that means urinary incontinence. But yeah, fecal incontinence can mm. absolutely be an issue, um, particularly for women who've had traumatic labours. Yeah, I mean, I, like as soon as she said it, I was like, I don't want to be the the poopy person, the person no. <laughs> in public who needs to wear an, an adult diaper. Uh, I mean, I did wear adult diapers after giving birth, but I only wore them for <laughs> as, as soon as the packet ran out. You know. <laughs> um, but then the other thing. Uh, which is, and I will put this in the show notes, the link to the episode, the chat that we had with the amazing Angela from Sydney Pelvic Clinic. Um, you know, she was pretty hard and fast about uh, sexual function when it comes to your pelvic health. You know, she basically said flat out sex should not be painful or yes. uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of women put up with painful sex uh, mm. in, in, in various kinds um, because you just sort of, we've always just sort of assumed that that's just, maybe that's just how I'm built or maybe that's just how our bits go together or whatever. And um, maybe they've never had that conversation with a girlfriend yeah. or a sister or a mother or what or whatnot. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, a sex should not be painful. And that is a function of your pelvic floor as well. Obviously we're not going to get into that side of things today and, you know, definitely point you in the direction of your closest mm. pelvic floor physio. Cannot recommend that enough. Um, if that's something that's available to you. And I, I know it's um it's not necessarily available to everyone. It should be something that's covered under Medicare. Absolutely. Mm. Um, but, you know, if, if first and foremost, um, if you are suffering from any of these things that, that Sarah's mentioned, I would say go to your GP because, Sarah, you'd be able to kind of direct someone to a oh, public health physio. So I was about to jump in and say that if you are experiencing, you know, issues that you attribute could be due to, you know, an overactive or underactive pelvic floor, um, firstly, go and have a chat to your GP. Um, and uh, and there is a thing that women who have you know chronic pelvic floor injuries. So this is you know this is an injury that may well be something that could cause problems for you know for six months or longer. Um, even if you haven't had it for six months, if we you know if we feel as though this is a, a, a an ongoing an ongoing thing, issue, yeah. you know, for example, if you've had a really traumatic delivery, then there is the possibility if you're if you're an Australian and you have Medicare that you may be eligible for something called a uh, a chronic disease management plan that can also allow you to access five Medicare rebated sessions with a pelvic floor physio. So, you know, the reality is that unfortunately a lot of allied health practitioners, you know, the costs can be prohibitive. And whilst this may not Mm. completely cover the cost, it may well go some way towards it. And ultimately every dollar counts at the moment. So yeah, absolutely. Step one, Make an appointment with your GP, have a good chat with them. And if they believe also, you know, they they may be able to do a, a physical examination for you, assess whether there is any prolapse present, even just have a chat to you. But there are, yeah, there are ways and means to hopefully make those uh, those physio sessions a little bit more accessible. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, uh, yeah, I, I will say completely outright, I have been going to the Sydney Public Clinic and it's not cheap. No. Um, but I'm very lucky to be able to afford that at the moment. Um, I'm not going 
all the time, but you know, it, 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 that's not. Yeah, I, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I should really for the state of things down there, but you know what I mean. Like, I, I, I don't want to say, you know, everyone get to their pelvic floor oh, physio, yeah. you know, without sort of clarifying that. Yeah, it, it is an ex- it is an expense, but if you do have the yep. means, it is an investment yep. that's worthwhile. Absolutely. Uh, so I mentioned last week this great little booklet that I was given by the hospital after I was discharged and it's called Postnatal Resource Booklet and Breastfeeding and it's from the Sydney Local Health District. Um, it's got a great section on pelvic floor exercises and obviously these are very generic and may not be exactly what you need. Obviously a, a pelvic floor physio would be the one to do an assessment on you to give you that, um, you know, an idea of whether you've got a weak pelvic floor or as Sarah mentioned, you might be too tight, you might need to work on releasing and relaxing. Um, basically, the, the physio can set you up with a plan suitable to the current state of pelvic floor health in you. Um, the, in- the assessment will involve an internal examination, so uh, that probably sounds a lot more uncomfortable than it is in reality. Um, yes. but, but basically the physio will place fingers inside your vagina opening. You'll be asked to do a series of squeezes and holds. Um, and basically all that is, you know, done to determine the pelvic floor function and strength. Um, you know, Sarah and I have both done it several yep. times. Uh, not, you know, wouldn't put that on the top of the list of the most fun things you can do. <laughs> no, it's not. A, don't, don't, don't put it on your bucket list. But it's uh, also, let's face it, if you've, uh, if you've ever been pregnant, then you've had people up your wazoo before. If you've ever had a cervical screening test or a pap yes. smear, you know, you've had, you've had people there before. So it's, uh, it, you know, it can be a bit of a, a mental, a mental jump to, you know, to get there. But, but it's, whilst it can be at times perhaps a little bit uncomfortable depending on the nature of your pelvic floor you know this is not a painful or prolonged uh, prolonged examination and uh, and again it's just good to know what you might be in for yeah exactly like don't uh, yeah don't wish you're rocking up not not knowing that yeah someone's about to gap never told me <laughs> exactly <laughs> and the thing is you know like we're talking a lot here about you know things like um you know prolapse or in my case a, a birth injury uh but i also just want to stress that every single physio and you know specialist that i have seen over the past three months has has said to me and i did say this last episode but they've all said to me that pelvic floor health pelvic floor exercises are for life um, your pelvic floor will change across the course of your life, whether you have a kid or not, whether you go through, you know, menopause, yep. etc. You know, when you have horm- huge hormonal yep. shifts and hormonal changes. Hormonal changes, just aging, mm. just aging, which if we're lucky muscle, enough, we like all get else. to do, yeah. um, it, it will change. And so mm. the nature of, uh, of that whole system down there will change, you know, year by year, decade by decade. Yeah. So, you know, like if you, you can go to see a pelvic floor physio just for an assessment, even if you don't think you have any issues whatsoever if you've never weed yourself when you you know had a had a cough or a sneeze sneak up on you by surprise or you know if you've never had painful sex or anything like that um mm. you know that that doesn't matter you can still go and get an assessment just to see how the state of things are and I then, had I had coxic pain yeah that's you know, right I had I just had really bad coxic pain and I could not get to the bottom of it and uh no pun intended um <laughs> And it was, yeah, it was via, you know, standard physio and then ultimately a, yeah, an assessment with a pelvic physio that, you know, it was it was coccygeal pain, but it was all stemming from an, a hypertonic pelvic floor. Mm. So you you might have a, a funny little something or other that, mm. <laughs> that is related to your pelvic floor, even though it's, you know, it's it not incontinence, like it. it's not painful sex. Yeah. I mean, it's always the way. I always talk to my brother, Adrian, about this. You know, I'll, I'll call him up and be like, oh, I've got this weird pain. Like literally we, we did a whole episode on this. I've got this weird pain in my foot and he'll be like, yeah, you know, it actually could be 
linked to a muscle that's in a completely different area exactly. of your body, you know? Yeah. Like you Referred think the pain, pain is in your front, real. but it's actually somewhere else. Yeah. Anyway, let's get right, to some pelvic floor exercises. Talk us, talk us through it. <laughs> talk us through it. So if you want to work- It's probably good that this isn't a video episode. Yeah. Come to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to work on your endurance, so do some endurance training for your pelvic floor, uh, one of the exercises that you can do is basically, you know, a hold uh, a and hold um, the muscles for a couple of seconds, release and rest, and then kind of repeat. So basically while you're breathing normally, um, you what you want to do is tighten the muscle around the urethra, the vagina, and the anus, as if you're trying to stop yourself from doing a wee or a fart. You should feel an upwards and inwards tightening of those muscles. You want to squeeze and hold for one to two seconds, then release the muscles and you should feel them relax. You rest for about anywhere between three to 10 seconds. Repeat that squeeze and hold and repeat that basically 10 times. And and effectively, it's, it's yeah, they're, they're sort of squeeze, hold, one, two, release, have a rest, do that 10 times. You want to make sure that your thighs and your butt muscles are relaxed when you do this. If you start to feel the muscles around your pelvic floor jumping in to help, um, that means you've probably got a weak pelvic floor and they're coming in to kind of, you know, bolster. You Mm. don't want that to happen because effectively then they start taking over. They're much stronger muscles. They start taking over and you're not actually working your pelvic floor if, if they're jumping in to do the heavy lifting, pardon the pun. If you want to progress these exercises, as in, you know, work in your endurance and get stronger, basically you're aiming to hold the contraction for longer each time um, or doing more than 10 reps. So, yeah, basically you start with one to two seconds um, and do 10 reps of that and then you want to kind of build that to maybe three to four seconds hold, four to six seconds hold, you know, getting closer to 10 seconds hold um, or doing more than 10 reps each time. If you want to build your strength, what you want to do is contract your pelvic floor muscles as quickly and as strongly as you're able. You're only holding for one second and then you're releasing and you're resting for three seconds and you repeat that 10 times if you're able. And I stress if you're able because this one is actually really fatiguing. Like if I Mm. try this right now, after about four or five, I can feel the muscles fatiguing. I can feel my inability to, to kind of... Um, contract and hold um, as tightly as maybe I could on the first or the second round. Um, And again, if you want to progress this, but, you know, progress the strength, like, you know, build your strength in this one, basically you want to keep doing this, not just, you know, repeating this exercise 10 times. You want to keep doing this for as long as you can until those muscles fatigue. So once you kind of nail 10 in a row and you're like, yeah, I'm really feeling, you know, after a week or two of doing this that, you know, my 10 my ten holds are, are really good, that's when you might want to boost that up to 12 holds or 15 holds or 20 mm. holds in order to build that strength. And um, gradually, gradually, progressively. Yeah. And, and you know what? It does actually, it does actually come along very quickly, um, surprisingly. Uh, it, it took a few weeks for me, you know, of, of doing this, you know, as, as much as I could, as much as I could remember. Um, mm. And at times it felt like I wasn't actually getting anywhere. And then all of a sudden, just after a week or two, I just felt a slight shift and a s- slightly, you know, slightly stronger. And it's interesting because, yeah, you don't sort of feel like anything's happening. You don't feel like you're getting better. And then all of a sudden it just it just happens. So, you know, stick at it because you will notice a different difference and it really doesn't take as long as maybe some other muscles in the body might in order to, you know, build strength. Um, Particularly for um, anyone who has suffered any kind of injury with your pelvic floor, if you want to um, do some functional retraining, 
what you're wanting to focus on is contracting your pelvic floor muscles during day-to-day movements. So, for example, for me, when I lift my baby um, is when I need to focus on contracting my pelvic floor. Um, when you get in and out of bed or, ch- or a chair, when, when you know that you're about to sneeze, when you're about to laugh, when you're about to blow your nose or cough, all of those kind of incidental movements, that's when you need to kind of focus on squeezing your pelvic floor. Initially, you do these exercises lying down on your back um, and then you basically progress to sitting and then standing, leaning on a bench or a a counter. Um, And you want to aim to perform your pelvic floor exercises about four to six times a day. And if it helps, and this is something Sarah and I have spoken a lot about in the past, if it helps, you can establish a bit of a routine so that you remember to do them. So, for example, when you're watching TV at night, you might do your pelvic floor exercises at the same time or after you go to the toilet every time, you might then spend a couple of minutes doing some pelvic floor exercises. When you're brushing your teeth, you know, you do them at the same time. So it's sort of like habit stacking. You take something that you already do regularly and you attach your pelvic floor exercises to it. Um, Interestingly, though, some women um, have completely lost the connection between the brain and the pelvic floor. And it does happen. I remember um, there was one lady in one of my birth classes uh, we, we were all sort of, we were all on Zoom and the physio was kind of running us through a lot of these exercises <laughs> that I've just spoken about. And everyone's faces were really serious as we were all like, you know. Your Zoom <laughs> meetings are different to my Zoom meetings. Yeah. We're all focusing on like squeezing and releasing, squeezing and releasing. And this one lady was like, I'm so sorry. I don't know. I can't feel anything. All I'm doing is squeezing my butt cheeks together. Is that is that the right thing? And obviously mm. it's not. But yes, yeah, some women don't have that connection and there are ways to reconnect that. Um, if, if you're listening to this and trying to do some of these things that I'm talking about, squeeze, hold and release, and you can't, like your, your butt muscles are coming in, you know, at full force, then, then I would strongly suggest having a chat to a pelvic floor physio because it Absolutely. might mean that, yeah, yeah, you need some help kind of rewiring that connection between brain and pelvic floor. And there are some incredible innovations now that can really, really assist for, you know, for those women who have, you know, lost that, lost that connection. Mm. Um, and uh, we did speak about this briefly in the episode that we did with Angela James from the Sydney Pelvic Clinic. And uh, and there is a device called the Mzella chair. Uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right from memory. Um, but it is look, this is a this is a chair that assists with helping people to re-engage that connection because it's it's retraining. It requires mm. relearning. This is not, you know, this is not a failure on anyone's part. This is this is a you know a neural connection that has that has failed for whatever reason, but there are ways and now really innovative technology that can assist. So have a have a listen back to that uh, pelvic floor episode that we did last year with Angela James from Sydney Pelvic Clinic. That M cellar machine you're talking about it does it does sound like a late nineteenth century contraption of some sort. <laughs> you're like strapped roll in. Up, roll up. <laughs> The new all-amazing chair. Yes. Yes. So there you go. Some some generic pelvic floor exercises if you want to start dabbling a little bit of um, pelvic floor health. Uh, you know, effectively, it's just squeeze and hold and release. The rest in between is just as important. Um, and the release is just as important as the squeeze and hold, interestingly. Beautiful stuff. All right. You know how you and I always bang on about creating a habit in order to be someone who exercises regularly. I believe that's what we're here for. (laughs) Because, you know, this whole podcast started because you and I were women who um, tried and failed so many times to create 
or to exercise on the reg. We just couldn't yes. stick with it, you know? No. So many things, so many barriers would get in the way. We'd, yeah. we'd pick a stupid exercise program. We'd, um, you know, we'd, it, it would be too far out of the way or it'd be uh, too expensive or we'd just... Too early in the day. Too early yeah. in the day or we'd just freaking yeah. hate it. Or we'd just go absolutely hell for leather and then completely lose our mojo and, you know, just blame it on ourselves. Yep. We're no good at this. Yep. This is this is all my fault. Mm-hmm. Or we don't see results. Uh, so what's the point anyway? It's, you know... It's not a pleasant experience, so why would I keep doing something that I'm not seeing a, a, a tangible benefit from? Mm. Uh, I came across this thing called the two-day rule back in January, and it was at the time when you know our feeds were flooded with those New Year's resolution articles that you get every single year. And I actually saw this story and thought it wasn't completely terrible. So the article's from stylist.co.uk, and it's called Why the Two-Day Rule Could Be the Key to Building New Habits in 2023. Now, this was like... Uh, you know, red rag to a bull for me. I've, I've, I sort of hate click on a lot of these articles now. <laughs> and I was like, I went, okay, what is the two-day rule and why is it the key to building new habits in 2023? Jumped in the article, was, you know, pleasantly surprised. Basically, it outlined an approach to creating and maintaining new habits, which, surprise, surprise, is called the two-day rule. It originally came from a guy called Matt Devella, who's a, a filmmaker and YouTuber. And a few years ago, he posted a video called the two-day rule, which i Obviously, also put in the show notes if you're if you're really keen to see what what Matt's got to say. But in a nutshell, uh, you know, um, it involves not skipping a new habit for two days in a row. So rather than having a hard and fast rule of exercising every day, give yourself some leeway when you need it. If you miss a day, you basically just pick it back up the next day. And the aim is just don't let yourself go longer than missing one day because then it quickly slides into a couple of days, into a week, into a month, or you know, yep. several months in. <laughs> In Sarah, in my case. Who, <laughs> so that's me? Basically, yes. <laughs> that's basically it. That's the two-day rule. The two-day rule. Yeah. Um, and uh, someone who's quoted in this article, Catherine Hallisey, she's a, a psychologist, she made a really great point. She said, habits are simply behaviours we repeat consistently, but there is no requirement to repeat them perfectly. The two-day rule helps people stay away from the all-or-nothing approach Anyone who has tried to change their behaviour is likely familiar with the feeling of missing one day and wanting to throw in the towel. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. The two-day rule makes it easier to get back on track as there is a margin for error built into the behaviour change system. And I would slightly change that margin for error and just say... Margin for for life. Bloody human, normal, (laughs) busy. Being a busy woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Having shit to do. You know, sometimes you just just literally cannot achieve something every single day. Try as you might. Mm. Uh, And And that is just not a failure. No. That's not a failure. No. And and when you add into the fact that, yeah, exercise doesn't come naturally to women like you and I, uh, that it's something we really do have to work on, that we have to find hacks and, and ways to kind of just get it done because we're not naturally, you know, women who enjoy it. Um, yeah. Any little thing that you can do, <laughs> to, any little hack you can sort of use to override your brain. Um, interestingly, the article also references a study published in the European Journal of Social Psychology that showed that when participants of this study were trying to form a new habit, missing one opportunity to perform this behaviour did not materially affect the habit formation process. So, i.e., if participants missed a day, the study showed. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my watch talking to me. If, if if participants missed a day, the study showed that it didn't really affect the overall success of the habit creation, which is 
which is good to know, really. Which is good to know. And and I'd probably say that the European Journal of Social Psychology is even slightly more reputable than, uh, what was it? Stylist.co.uk. Stylist.co.uk. <laughs> or, no, you know, Mr. Matt exactly filmmaker, you know, YouTuber. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I think I think ultimately that's, that's the key, is that if you are – making behavioural change is difficult. Mm. It's one of the most – challenging parts of general practice to try and assist your patients with making behavioural change of, of any sort, whether that is, you know, being more physically active, whether that's, you know, reducing your alcohol consumption, whether mm. that's quitting smoking. Yep. Anything that requires enormous behavioural change does not happen overnight. No. Habit, you know, habits, exactly as she said, is is a repeated behaviour. And and we we have to be in this for the long term because it's so easy when you you know when you do skip a day or you what you skip a day of your exercise you you know you're trying to you're trying to quit smoking and you have you know one cigarette it's so easy for, for people to think ah oh, you know what's the point bugger this this is I've too stuffed it hard yeah. I've stuffed it and mm. eh, oh well you know let's let's the whole forget thing exercising all together yeah. let's go yeah. buy a packet of cigarettes yeah. let's you know get a, a six-pack of beer when you're really trying to make strong behavioural changes. Um, this is, it's cliche, but it's a marathon, mm. not an actual marathon, but it's a marathon. It does not matter if you miss a day. It's about doing something more consistently than you used to. Mm. And uh, and I just think that this, you know, the, the two-day rule, um, you can couple that with your two-minute hack that we talked about right at the beginning of the Women Like You journey. Um, couple that with your two-minute hack of, you know, starting your habit with something so easy, so simple, so straightforward that you can get it done in two minutes. Couple that with your two-day rule. And in fact, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, that James Clear in Atomic Habits has, uh, th- there is something very similar in there. I think he calls it the never skip twice rule. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it does, it just, it allows you the freedom to have a realistic approach to habit setting and habit formation. Yeah, but just a bit of a bit of grace, you know, just a grace yeah. period to say, I'm just not going to get it done today. You know, like it's just it's just not going to happen today. That's all right. It's just one day. Yep. I'll just and pick if you it get it tomorrow. done the next day, yeah, boom, you straight back. You are you are back on track. You've lost nothing. You are still moving your behaviour in a way that's ultimately going to benefit you in the long term. Mm, absolutely. How do you reckon it sounds to you in terms of something that you'd be able to implement? Because you know, like I mean, I've definitely lost my daily exercise habit. It's just gone out the window over the last three months. Um, well, for a very good yes. reason. <laughs> Why is that? Why is that good? No, look, I, I mean, because I have such my, my personality is such an all or nothing. Yeah, yeah. It, it is just who I am. It, it frustrates the hell out of me, as I'm sure it frustrates my friends, family, and husband. I, um, I love you. The, but that, you know, that all or nothing approach can mean that I'm, you know, I'm consistent to a fault at times. But then the second that I do, you know, skip a day or, or lose lose my mojo, it's very easy for me just to to throw in the towel completely. And I mm. know that I've done that. I know I, I did it this year um, when I was really eager and keen to get back to what has always been one of my preferred modes of exercise, which is doing some regular yoga each day. And it was, look, it was back in January uh, sigh. Um, when I was trying to uh, to you know get back into the uh, yoga with Adrian 
30-day challenge. I know we've spoken ad nauseum about challenges and how they can be you know, counterproductive at times. Um, but I can't remember why I skipped a day. I don't know. I was busy. I was tired. I had a headache. I had period pain. Who knows? But I skipped a day and then I skipped a second day mm. and then it was kaput. So um, I just think it's it's actually something, despite the fact that it's getting quite cold here again, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to my husband literally last night or the night before about how I definitely miss yoga and I, I very much miss it being a little, almost just a little bit of moment of quiet in mm. my day where it's, you know, it's just... It's a t- it's time for me. It's time away from work. It's time away from other commitments. Yeah. And he's like, you are always so much happier when you're doing your yeah. <laughs> yoga. Yeah. I'm like, fine. He recognizes it too. <laughs> um, and uh, and so yeah, I'm just I'm I'm gonna roll that mat out again. I'm just gonna get back to the two minutes, which is two minutes. Get on the mat. That's the habit, and that's that's the bit that you don't skip twice. Yes. It's not about you know doing a half an hour of yoga every day. It's about not skipping, not skipping your hack twice, and uh, and for me, it'll be that two minute, two minute hack. Get on the mat, don't skip that two days in a row, and uh, yeah, it I makes think, things well, so much more achievable. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I'm kind of doing, <laughs> I'm kind of doing it this way at the moment anyway when it comes to my physical activity, um, because getting something done every day at the moment is just such a huge ask. Um, at the same time, I don't so want to- So lazy, Gabby. So lazy. <laughs> so lazy. I, I, but Three at the same time, I, I don't want to let it get too far away from me. Um, and, and also, I do genuinely feel better when I get yeah. a little bit of physical activity in my day, mm. and I'm also sleeping a little bit better in those, you know, tiny two, four-hour windows. I do actually sleep better in those windows than when I don't exercise. Um, you know, so other than obviously lugging the baby around and, and lots of lifting and getting up and down, up off the floor, that kind of stuff- um, when I do find time to yet yeah, go for go for a little walk or um, you know do some weights or something like that, just something really quick and easy, it is better. But I can't do it every single day. Um, and at the moment, you know, up till up till reading this article, I, I was sort of beating myself up, going, "Oh, come on, you used to have a daily habit. Like you've got to you've got to get back to it, or you'll lose it forever." But you know, having this kind of grace period just to go, look, I've, I just couldn't get it done today, but that's all right. I'm going to get it done tomorrow. That's um, it. And, and, you know, your two-minute two hack to kind of start off your whole habit stacking process was, as you say, just getting on the mat. Uh, mine was always just setting up my, you know, laying out my exercise gear the night before um, so that it was basically ready to go. And then in the, morning, in the morning when I wake up, just get straight into my exercise gear. And whether I ended up doing anything <laughs> physical yep. that day or not didn't really matter. It was just the process of That's getting into that habit. Point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, now I would tell you I would absolutely do something physical every single day because, you know, little guy's over seven kilos now. So, you know, like lifting him up and down constantly is physically doing something. Um, So, you know, I'm kind of ticking it off secretly anyway. But but in my mind. I was going to say, we've also, (laughs) we have definitely discussed before the the power of, gosh, this sounds awful, like the power of positive thinking. Um, No, but how important it is that we recognise that the incidental exercise that we're doing is actually really good for us. Yeah, so, absolutely. So when you are feeling, no doubt, you know, absolutely exhausted, you know, drawn in a thousand directions at, at any one moment um, and feel as though you're not getting your scheduled exercise in, you know, you are doing a lot of incidental exercise at the moment as a mother of a newborn. Mm. And maybe, yeah, maybe there's that two-minute hack that you might be able to squeeze in. And if you can start to do that two-minute hack and then 
don't skip two days of your of your hack or don't skip two days of trying mm. then you know you're away you'll be you'll be back yeah, you'll baby. be back exactly back baby Like You podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Camilleri. Please subscribe to our weekly newsletter at womenlikeyoupodcast.com. I'm Gab. And I'm Sarah. And I've got a question for you. How long can you stand on one leg for? Can you get up off the floor without holding on to something? We, uh, we recently saw a great article about some general body maintenance that might help you live a little longer and a healthier life. Yes, uh, I think it's something like 16 things that you could try and implement um, that, uh, that, you know, will make you kind of be in- increase longevity. And one of them, yeah. yeah. Okay. Longevity is, is, is worth the effort. Oh, absolutely. But the, the getting up off the floor without holding onto something, or, you know, unaided, I think it is. Mm. <laughs> Maybe not three months postpartum. <laughs> at the moment I tried to the other week I tried to like yeah I, I stupidly had the baby in my hands and then I went to like just get up on my own and I was in sort of like a lunge position and Ooh. effectively I needed to use my quads to push myself up to standing whilst holding the baby and I literally couldn't do it like my muscles just went no you don't not have the today, strength <laughs> not today okay put the baby back down stand up bend over bend your knees <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, aim of the game is being able to get up off the ground unaided. Apparently, yeah. leads to a better life. We'll talk about that next week. Cool bananas. All right. I love you. I love you too. Give, give you a bubble kiss from me. Will do. Bye. Big name in the water.